platform, please. I'm going to grab her hand because she's looking so smart and cute tonight. I love you. <laughs> and I'll let you just introduce a little bit more of who you are. Hello, hello. Oh, it's wonderful to be here tonight. And I thank you all for inviting me back and allowing me to be here. Um, I'm with Comerica Bank, and I'm the National African American Business Development um, Manager for, for the bank. And I'm also the director for the state of Arizona for community reinvestment. Um, all that is is just to say that I'm here for the community, and I'm here for business owners and people who want to become business owners. So it's an amazing time to be in this arena. Um, this role was, I think I said this before, this role was born out of 2020, really. Uh, my background is lending, commercial and residential lending for 17 years. Um, but my love and my passion is for our people, you know, in our community and there is a, I apologize. There's a sense of belonging. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is what happens when you get into church sometimes. When you get around your own folks, things, things start coming out of you that, just, that are kind of kept in all day long. But there's, there's just a sense of belonging that we as women sometimes need and sometimes want and we don't, know, we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to go forward. We don't know how to move past certain things that may have happened to us in the past. And Pastor Barb is here saying, right here is where you need to be. So out of all the places you could have gone on a Friday night, right here is where you need to be. No matter what you take from this, take the belonging, take the sisterhood, take this friendship and and use it to propel whatever your next endeavor is because you can't do anything by yourself. Everything needs some form of circle, belonging, sisterhood, friendship, family, with God in the center. Um, for Comerica Bank, I talk about access to capital, and that's typically the number one thing that's needed to start a business. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my Comerica Bank thing because <laughs> we we need to mention mention that, and and then I want to get a little bit deeper in in regards to be, being a business owner or an entrepreneur. With access to capital, that was the number one thing needed 200 years ago. People were asked, what do you need when you're a business owner? So it's access to capital, access to capital, access to capital. I'm gonna to touch on that today, but this is, this is gonna be open. Questions, um, anything that's on your mind and your heart, let me know and I'm, I'm here to answer those questions. Uh, I do have pads of paper that I brought. They're Comerica swag is what we call them. Um, and it's to be handed out typically, but I actually wanna do something with them this evening. Uh, so uh, when we get a chance, if we can hand them out. If you don't have one, definitely grab one. Um, but let's touch on access to capital real quick. I'm gonna go through these sides really fast because it's Comerica Bank. Um, I'm not trying to, trying to go too fast, but um, I, I, I wanna get into the meat of certain things. So if we can go to the next slide regarding access to capital. And the discussion topics are here. What is a business, what's business banking? Kind of like what's your relationship like with your banker? Um, preparing your business for success. Who here has a business? Let's start with that. Anybody have a business? One, two, who here? Three, who here? You do have a business, that's right. <laughs> who here wants a business? 
Amen, amen, amen. Being an entrepreneur is one of those things where it's scary at all times. It's just, <laughs> but it's so exciting at all times. So it's, it's one of those things where you're called great. If you're not, it's okay. It's always something that you can, you, can, you can touch on, you can do it as what they call a side hustle, or you can do it full-fledged. So, And I can give you the story of what we do and um, some information about that. But these are really just some of the topics, discussion topics, kind of have you thinking of really what an entrepreneur is. Because some people are super excited about what they do, whether it's baking or um, you do make projects really well. Like my sister, she started this, this company where she comes in and de decorates your house for Christmas. I'm like, holy moly, that's amazing. I hate decorating my house for Christmas. So <laughs> I love Christmas. I don't like the work involved. So I would definitely, I'm like, you're hired. She's like, I don't have a business yet. I'm like, I don't care. If you like it, do it. And you'll have people want to do it. So that's what she's starting, absolutely. If you have just something that you enjoy, that you like, that you don't mind doing all the time, then that is something that God's put on your heart to actually have a, a business or a, a way to provide for your family or to your future or a generation. So um, if we can go to the next slide, I'll, I'll just, again, touch on these so you have an idea. But what is business banking and why is it important for your, for your business itself? So when you own your own business... And you go to a bank and you want to get a loan. And a lot of people do this. First two years of owning their business, they want to go get a loan. They go to the bank. They're super excited. They're like, okay, I've made you know, $50,000 with my business. I'm super excited. This is enough to, to keep me going. And the banker will ask you, like, well, where's your bank account? You're like, oh, I put everything in my name. Banks don't consider you a business until you actually have an account in the business name. So you need to have what's called an EIN number. You have to be registered with the Arizona Corporation Commission's office. Uh, you typically have to have a few other things, whether it's LLC or corporation, which I'll touch on in a second. But your business has to have its own identity, okay? You are yourself, and your business has to be separate. Sometimes people merge those two things, but it makes it really difficult to have a successful business where you need lending or capital in the future. So just know that when you have a business, as soon as you get that EIN number, which is like the social security number for your business, um, then you can actually start with your account. Even if you have $25 in there, I don't care. Just start putting money in there. Make sure you have a bank account with your business name on it. Um, and then have a relationship with your banker. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I don't want them to know my business. I don't want them to know, you know, the bad things. I don't want them, I want them to know all the good things about my business, which is great. Like most people only want to tell the fantastic things that's going on with their business. However, if your banker doesn't understand the ebbs and flows of your business, they can't talk to it. Your banker is your resource that'll catapult you to underwriting and to processing and to get you loans. Like when the PPP came out, that loan protection program, um, a lot of people who are small business owners who didn't have a relationship with their banker were not called by their banker. So they didn't know that that was even an opportunity. They had to kind of get in line with the rest of the people. But the people who had relationships with their banker were actually able to be called by the banker. The banker said, I already have the application started for you because I have all of your information. They already, you don't, you, it wasn't even credit qualified. It was all based on knowledge and understanding who your banker is. And they put it through and you had your loan within 24 hours. That's how fast the relationships work. So that's why you want to have that relationship. Let them know all the good things, all the bad things, because even if there's bad things going on in your business, it's okay. It's expected. 
No business is meant to be super profitable within the first three years. That's in the, in, in the physical, natural world, businesses aren't supposed to be past red within the first three years, meaning you're not supposed to make any money. So they expect you to kind of be broke for the first couple years of running your business because you're trying to pour in so much information. You take equity out of your house or you take, you know, you start saving up money, you start selling things just for your business. So they expect that. They, that's normal. If you come in and saying, oh yeah, I make a million dollars a month, I'm fine, I don't need you. They're just like, okay, I don't know what you're doing, but it's not showing, it's not reflecting in your bank account. Because if that were to happen, they would have been calling you already. So you kind of need to know kind of like what what you're supposed to say and what you're supposed to do and the great thing is with the relationship with your banker they will be able to say if this isn't going well let's get you over to a CDFI lender who's a community development um, institution that actually has different rates they have different lending obligations they have different regulatory purposes from the government they're given money to give money to small businesses okay so you really want to give all the information good bad ugly indifferent to your banker so they know what to do with your situation so they can get you scaled to the next level okay um, supporting growth uh, this is all the same thing so aligning with a bank that understands who you are so sometimes you want a community bank or sometimes you want like I need a big bank who where I can do global things with so you need some of those mega banks like Chase and uh, Wells Fargo those are your mega banks we're a large bank we're a 90 billion dollar bank so we're still considered a large bank and we do international things and global things but if you're just like I do a lot of business in Canada or I do a lot of business in Mexico, you need banks that'll cross that divide without any issues, you go to the mega banks. And if you like everything online, you go to the mega banks. But guess what? It's very hard to have a relationship with your banker online. So you want to make that chance. You have to be social. You have to shake that hand. You have to be in their face because if you're not in their face, then they don't know how to help you. Okay. If we go to the next slide and preparing your business for success. So this is that legal entity setup. That's that LLC, C-Corp, S-Corp, sole proprietorship. So a lot of people think, I have a business, I bake cookies, I do this by myself, I have no employees, let's do a sole proprietorship. Well, that's really not the, I mean, at, at minimum, do an LLC. Okay, LLCs are fantastic. I have an LLC. Sole, props, uh, sole proprietorships are, they're okay, but you're still legally obligated. So if something happened to your cookies and you got someone sick, just saying, and that's what insurance is for. However, that person can come after you personally. But when you have an LLC, they can only go after your business. So if that person got sick, let's say they got in the hospital, something happened, like this is whoever, whatever happened, they got sick in the hospital, $10,000 in hospital bills, you're obligated personally if you have a sole proper prop. If you have an LLC, they can, they can hit your business for it. And if your business is has the insurance, they can cover it. If it doesn't have the insurance, you close that business and start another one. This is how business works. I know it doesn't sound fair, but that's how business works. They can hit your business, okay, that's fine. Sue that business, if it doesn't work, I'm gonna close that one, open up another one. That's how people get away with a lot of different things, and that's kinda how the world works when it comes to business. They close one, that, but you're covered, your business is covered. It's, it's easier to do that. And if you have a partnership, that's where you have an S Corp, when you have a partnership. So it just depends on kind of the way your business is, but whatever you do, try not to do a sole prop because that's just the, you, 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 you obtain all responsibility, all responsibility, and that's not what you want. Um, establishment of a bank account for each entity as well. So if you have um, like a daycare business and you have a cookie baking business, and then let's say you have rental properties over here, you need to have a different account for each and every one. You do not want to blend the funds because 
when you go for lending or go to get access to your capital, well, they look at how much is deposited into that bank account, okay? So if you have a high cash volume, like let's say you do farmer's markets and half of your income comes from cash, half of it comes from credit card. Credit card automatically gets deposited in that bank account. The cash, a lot of people pocket it. They're like, oh, I'm fine. And you're just like, I made $50,000 this year. Well, technically it shows you made 25,000 because that's how much was deposited. Deposit it all, take it out the same day. It doesn't matter, but deposit it because banks only look at what has been deposited every single month. So if you actually, I, I have a business, I deposit my personal check into my business account to show that I have more money than I actually do. I do. You have to, they only go by deposits. They don't look at the deposits. They only look at the balance and the deposits of every month. If your deposits are $20,000 a month and you take out $19,000 a month, they don't care. You made $20,000 a month. So you have to deposit the funds um, and then creating a budget. Every successful business, successful person, really, when it comes to finances, has a budget of some sort. Now, it doesn't mean that you keep to the budget <laughs> all the time. I'm guilty for that. But you have a budget, something to guide you. Because if you don't have any guidance, you can just spend anything. And you don't know really where, where all that money goes. Because you'll, you'll be left at the end of the month saying, OK, well, I have to pay rent here. I have a mortgage here. have this. Well, where did all the money go? I went to Starbucks, went to grocery stores. I mean, it just goes everywhere. And it's easy to run through that money. So if you have an actual budget to guide you of how much you need to spend, when you need to spend, that will be a lot easier to manage, okay? Uh, the next slide, please. So bookkeeping, you know, this is a slide for a wealth team. I hire a bookkeeper. I'm not good with admin. I'm, I'm honestly horrible. Um, hire someone if you can. And it's, if it's not your area, it's not your area. Just because I know numbers doesn't mean I want to work with them all day long. Like, no, I'd rather hire someone to do this so I can go make the money. And I tell this to a lot of people. Because a lot of business owners do everything. They're like, it's my business. I'm doing everything. I don't trust anybody with it. And if it's a $15 an hour job that you're doing, but you value yourself at $200 an hour, you hire someone to do the $15 an hour job so that you can produce that $200 an hour. You have to know your worth. You have to know what your value is so that you can make more money. And that's another difficult thing that people have, especially women, we do it better. Yeah, we do it better than them, but doesn't mean we, we can't do anything else. It doesn't mean that they're, they're not going to do it well enough to keep everything going. Okay? So we have to be, as women, able to delegate, let go of some of the things that we might not need to do, and allow someone else to do it so we can go make the money for our business. Okay? Use your think tank. Use your mind. Everything that's hands-on, someone else can do. You don't have to do that. Um, so bookkeeping, again, I'm not even going through, I just hire someone. I don't, I don't like bookkeeping. Uh, if we go to the next slide. <laughs> uh, know your competition. A lot of things, okay, so if someone tells me, I make the best cookies in town, great. Who's your competition? No one. Lies. Everyone has a competitor. You need to know who your competitor is. Because if you don't know who your competitor is, you don't even know how strong you are. If you don't know, so we have an antler business. I know it sounds random and weird, but we have a dog pet food business. And... I'm like, oh, we're in Arizona, honey. I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, we don't have any competition in Arizona. He's like, we have competition online. They all come from Montana and Utah and all these other people. I'm like, oh, there are competition? He's like, yeah. I'm like, but we're here in the market. He said, online, like, erases all lines of states. It's online. Everyone has competitors online. So therefore, we had to make our website better. We had to make our social media better. Like, all the stuff I hate. It, he's doing it. So... 
we had to make all this stuff better. I'm just like, oh, good. It, that takes up so much time. But we had to know our competitors. We had to know the pricing. Like, what are they? What are their costs? Like, Petco is a competitor of ours technically because they sell the same thing. It doesn't matter if they if it's a big chain restaurant or a big chain store. If they sell the same thing as you, meet like if you make chocolate chip cookies and they sell chocolate chip cookies, then that's your competitor. Know what the difference is. Then once you know what the difference is, then you can implement something else that will make your product better. Okay, and I'll give you an example. With our antler business, we have pet antlers. They're for dogs. They're chews, long-lasting chews. And um, we, we started this off because it, it was, again, born out of 2020. Uh, we had a ton of ideas for business, and 2020 kind of pushed us. I will, say, I will say 2020, but it was really Jesus. Jesus pushed us <laughs> to this position because we are just like, oh, we can do this, and we started other businesses and when, when COVID-19 happened, we, had to, we, we couldn't be in stores. So the brains of our business was completely gone. So we couldn't do it. So it, we, were, we were going up north already and we implemented this other business. It was like a fourth business down the list of businesses that we had. Okay, I know everybody has like ideas and cool things that they want to start, but it was kind of like the fourth one down. It was not the top. And um, God said, move, go ahead, do that one. I'm like, okay, we can make money. We start off with $3,000 because that's how much I trusted. I we don't, I didn't know anything about antlers. So I was just like, we have $3,000 allotted to start this business, honey. <laughs> That's how much we're taking out of the savings for this. Cause I can, I can, I'm okay with 3000. I'm not okay with $10,000 because I didn't know what was going to happen. And so we took the 3000 and we had the antlers. I'm like, well, this is boring. Like women shop for pets. So this is boring. I didn't want just to sell antlers. Felt weird. Felt like we just pulled them out the back of the shed. Like it didn't feel like like a business. I'm like, there's nothing that drew me to this. I'm like, I, I need to feel like I want to shop for this. I like, I want to be the brains of whoever is our customer. And so I was like, he's like, I don't know. I was like, okay, so let's think. I'm like antlers, they have this powder. And when you cut an antler, there's like a dust that forms and it turns a powder and a lot of people throw it away because there's nothing to do. I'm like, as a woman, because mind you, all men own these other businesses. I said, I can take that. That looks like flour. So we make biscuits. I put together recipes for dog biscuits and I added a portion of the antler powder to it. And it's it was really good multivitamin. Like it's a fantastic product. It's like people, they were throwing it away. And I was like, absolutely not. This is fantastic. I put it in, now they're in the dog biscuits. We have four different options for the dog biscuits and that's actually our number one seller. I was like, that's weird. So antlers were supposed to be the most and then the biscuits changed and no one else in the US has this biscuit because they're all men who think of these things. Women think of the cookies, men think of the antlers. So I was like, well, here we go. That brings in half the income of whatever the antlers are. So we have to be open to what the competition is and say, I can do something different than what they're doing. And once you have that differentiating factor, that's what's gonna set you apart. And no matter what, we can have the exact same antlers that, you know, not Petco, not the box chains, but like the other local vendor might have, but we have something different. So people are gonna come to us to purchase everything opposed to just the antlers. So same thing with what you have. If you have cookies, sell some fantastic cookie that has something in there that all the other cookies don't, or whether it's soft or whether it's chewy or whether it's hard or whatever, whether it's homemade or, or whether it was a recipe from your grandmother, like that's what people are attracted to. So make sure you know your competition and how to separate yourself from the competition, okay? Um, know your customer base, also a good thing. Need to know who's gonna buy your stuff? Who's gonna need your services? So if you have something, like what are some business ideas that you guys might have? Does anybody have a business idea? 
This is safe space, so anything can go. Anything. Well, what businesses do you currently have? Let's start with that. Yeah, I know you have. The food pantry. That's a hard business to sell. <laughs> That's a hard business to sell. Your customer. So, the tire, you have a tire auto, auto. Okay, so those are two very different they, ver- they really are. I'm just like, those are not lady businesses. But that's okay, because we can dominate in men, in men arenas, okay? We do it all day long. So when you have the food pantry, and you're serve- you're, so the person you're serving might not always be your customer. Remember that. So the food bank serves the, people, the local people that are, around, that are in need, that need help, right? But is that the people paying her bills? No. No. I'll let you know, um, as a bank... As a large corporation, we're regulated by the government to give a certain amount of money every single year to those who serve the low to moderate income class, which is for people, anyone who receives an income that's less than the average in that city, and then for businesses, mind you, for a business that's considered low to moderate income, and I would never say this to anybody who actually has a business at this point, but if your business earns less than $1 million grossing revenue every year, That means you're low to moderate income. So in the government's eyes, they believe that even if you're making $800,000 a year, you're a impoverished impoverished business. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, well, I'm poor, but we make, you know, we're all poor in the government's eyes, we are. (laughs) But it's weird because for women-owned businesses, we're barely past that $1 million mark on average. Is very hard. Women, we have a mindset that we, we set our sights for one million, but we don't go further than that. We, have, we do a lot of other things. We have a lot of other things in our place. We're women, we're sisters, we're aunts, we're mothers, we're wives. We do so many things. Husbands are just husbands for the most part. They do their business and they keep going. They're like, okay, when, when's dinner ready? I'm like, I work just as much as you. Are you going to prepare dinner? No. So it's still up to me. So I still have to be a wife. I still have to be a mother. I still have to go to football games and basketball games. I still have to do all those things. So a million dollars a year sounds fantastic. I'm like, I'm good. We're an average company owned by a man in the country. It's 22 million. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So we have to know who our customer base is. We have to know what we can do. And as that organization, if I gave you money, um, we give out 10% of our gross annual earnings. So as a large corporation, it's $9 billion. We give out $9 million. Actually, we give out $16 million a year as an organization because we have to. We have to at the $9 million phase, but we go over and above because they, the government will start hitting our deposits, meaning they will not allow us to accept large deposits. We will not be able to merger and we will not be able to acquire other banks. They put a halt on everything if we do not hit that minimum. And where do we give the money to? People who serve low to moderate income areas. And guess who that is? We are her customer. So she gives, she has people that she serves, but her customer would be the large corporations that need to give. Okay, so you need to know who your customers are. And when she knows that, she can go tell everybody and they'll, they'll get volunteers, they'll get, because a lot of, lot, lot of non-profit, you're a non-profit, right? A lot of non-profits don't understand that just because you're a non-profit does not mean you don't make money. You can be a profitable non-profit. Very many CEOs that I know, they make $500,000 a year over non-profits. So it's not, just because you're a non-profit doesn't mean that you can't get money. 
there's, there's grants out there by the government that are giving nonprofits money. I'm right now in the process of trying to get a $5 million grant from the government. I've partnered with other um, organizations, and it's already doing what I already do. So nonprofits, there's money out there. So if you want to start a nonprofit, do it. You're quasi-governmental, but you're still a, you still can make money. You can still do that. If it's talking to the youth or talking to families or to, whatever it is, the church, the church is a nonprofit. There's different things that you can do. You can still make a lot of money and being a, a nonprofit. And I know I'm in a church that's okay with people making money, right? All right. <laughs> Amen. I like making money. And when people say, oh, how are you Christian? I was like, okay, you haven't read the Bible, but okay. <laughs> okay. You know, and I, I, I'll go back to the slide in, in a second, but I'll jump over out of Comerica into pastor. So there's a lot of people in the Bible that were led by God and that did everything that, that in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And when you think of all the great people in the Bible, you think about Abraham and David and uh, Job and uh, Moses and Solomon. You think of all these great people and you think of what they did for God first, their heart for God, their love for their nation, the people they served. You think about that first. But what a lot of people overlook is that they were some of the richest men on the, in the world at that time. At that time, some of them had more than one-third of the gold in the world at that time. Richer than any man living right now. So we, when, when we think about like, oh, we're not supposed to have money. Oh my gosh, God only used people that had money. And then, and then if you didn't have money, a.k.a. Ruth, then he gave her money at the end. So God's like, no, 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 my people are not broke. I come from a very long lineage of, of entrepreneurs, because God did. Jesus, I mean, if you look at his, his lineage, it was wealth upon wealth upon wealth upon wealth. So how dare we say that I'm Christian and I need to live in poverty? Absolutely not. God did not ordain that, nor does he, does he second that. He's not going to co-sign your poverty actions. Okay, that's you. That you gotta deal with yourself, and then and then work on your money later. But God's like, I got the money. I own the money. We're gonna, we're, you're gonna get your money. Just just do stay in the steps. Okay, stay in your past and stay in your lane and do what I ask you to do. That's God. That's what He told me. I was I was broke like six years ago, like super broke. Like I had to do IVs of um, what is that stuff? It's not the blood. Plasma. I was going to go get gift cards for Safeway or whatever they were giving me for $25 for plasma. I was just like, Lord Jesus, this isn't right. I'm like, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Like, why am I? And I it didn't go once. It didn't go twice. I went for like three months straight. They're like, ma'am, <laughs> I know your plasma is going to come back, but how about you not come twice in a week? I said, okay, <laughs> I got to feed the babies. I got to feed the babies. So you, you got to do what you got to do. That's us women. We do what we have to do. No shame whatsoever. We're going to feed our children no matter what. And that's what we do. And we put up that same mindset, that same tenacity, when we put it into a business, what that business can actually accomplish will be amazing. Absolutely amazing. So having your growth mindset for business is actually kind of part of that as well. Know a plan for your business. I understand that our goal is to make a million dollars. Sorry, I've had like four cups of coffee today. I'm sweating to death. Um, knowing a plan for your business is stronger than what people really say. So how many of us write things down, especially in the beginning of the year? Write things down. Pray about it. 
We got, we have words from it. Yes. We write it down. We have to do the same for your business. Like that actually works in real life, not just spiritually, but physically it works. You write it down. You set a goal because once we have that goal in mind, we know what we're supposed to attain. We're going to attain it. We're going to strive to get to it. If your goal is to make $10,000 a month and you're making $1,000 a month, then you know you have to do something to get to that 10,000. But if you don't set that goal for 10,000, you make 1,500, like, oh, I'm good. Like, no, you're not, because you should know what your, what your, true, what your true accrual should be. So write your goals down, write your projections. They're called projections in, in, in business world, okay? Um, a lot of things that we do in the church and the thing, things in the real life, right? it's real, it happens. It's cross, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Our banks, the, the, what we do as a bank is very, very similar what we preach on in the churches. Just do it on a larger scale. So if you write it down, just write it down, put projections on, put your numbers on paper, understand that. If you don't have a business plan, look that up, look to see, and it could be super simple, but have a plan. You have to have a business plan for your business. Even before you start, preferably before you start your business, have a plan, okay? If we go to the next slide, please. Personal credit, okay. So personal credit is a touchy subject. Some people have good credit, some people don't have good credit. Kind of like, what, what happened, what do I do? There's a way to get past credit. Um, I think I said this last time. During the recession in 2008, I lost um, several properties. I filed bankruptcy, I had uh, foreclosures. Um, I, my income dropped from like 25,000 a month to 80,000 a year. Sounds like it's, it's still a good, but it's not when you're used to living on $25,000 a month. And I was in the middle of a divorce, like everything was going on. So my credit was great and then it tanked, okay? We're used to, but it goes back up. No matter what happened in your life, you can get your credit back up. You absolutely can. You absolutely, we have a 700 FICO score now. Jesus helped, <laughs> okay? I'm not gonna lie, God helped. Make decisions on what your credit should be. Use the things that you have like on the credit cards, your bank apps, use that. Get the projections of what your credit's going to be because if you pay, let's say you have $10,000 in debt and you have $5,000 on one card and then you have a bunch of like $1,000 cards, right? You're just like, I'm gonna pay the biggest card down first. Wrong, right? Why? Because most credit cards need to have, you, they base, this, this is the meter, okay? This, this is the meter. So if you have a $1,000 credit card, and let's say you owe $300 on it, this is the good side, okay? Let's say you owe $800 on it, that's the bad side. You wanna have it, what the banks say is 30%, but technically you'd be below 50% of whatever the uh, total debt is. So if your credit limit is $1,000 and you have $500 on it, you are hitting that borderline. It's like, it can go either way. Like something, anything can happen, anything can make that thing go down. But if you're at 300, then it's good. They're like, oh, we're for comfortable. We trust you with money. Therefore, we'll give you a higher credit limit, okay? So one great way to increase your credit, if it's low right now, one way I tell everybody is, be an authorized user on someone else who has good credit, okay? That's a quick, fast, easy way. You take all that history they have, and it goes onto yours. So all the good credit history they have, like a, a $20,000 credit card, and let's make sure they don't owe $20,000, though, on that credit card, okay? Make sure it's below $10,000, and that they don't plan on using it around Christmas time, because that can still mess you up. So $20,000, $10,000, whatever it is, better than what you have. Take, say, I don't need the card. I just want my name on an author, as an authorized user. Okay, that will instantly increase your credit. 
Okay, because the bank or the credit card company, FICO scores, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, they look at the fact that you have access to $20,000, but you've only utilized, say, $5,000. So, great, here you go, green, green thumbs up, okay? Um, that's one way. The second way is to make sure those, let's say you have that same scenario, the $5,000 one credit and five, five other ones that are $1,000. Bring those ones that are $1,000 below $500, okay? Does that make sense? Below 50% of whatever the total amount is. And that will help you boost your credit. Pay your bills on time. Do not have a credit card that you use and then pay off two days later. I know it sounds like a great idea, but in the eyes of the credit card companies, it's not. Because you no longer have transaction history. If there's nothing, because transaction history only happens within 30 days. So if you pay your credit cards off within those 30 days, it never hits your credit report that it ever had a balance. So you have to show a balance and then you have to make that minimum monthly payment. I know it's painful, you don't wanna pay the interest, but if you're trying to build your credit, then you've gotta do something. So use it, get gas, get groceries, pay it down, do whatever you need to do, but don't bring it down to zero immediately. Bring it down to zero like, six days later, okay? Make the monthly payment, but bring it down, and then use it again. Don't leave it at zero. They want you to use a credit card, and then they're gonna start increasing your credit limit, and you'll say, okay, but don't use it for emergency. I know it's there, I know it's tempting, but try not to use it for emergency, because once you take that credit card that you've worked so hard to keep below a 30% uh, level percentage, then, and you rack, rack it back up to 100%, well, your FICO score will go from whatever, like 680 down to 650 really fast, because it's volatile at that time. When you have difficult credit, it gets volatile with anything and everything you do, okay? So just, just try that. And some of the other things are hire someone to get all of the bad stuff off your credit. Some people can do it. Like if you go to Equifax.com or Experian.com, you can do it, but that would be per credit report, per instance. And again, I hire people who can do things better than me and time consuming. So typically it's like 80 bucks or it's like $10 per creditor and they'll do it all and, and just hire them to do it. Uh, a reputable company, just make sure you look them up. Make sure that you know Google says they're okay. Um, so, so credit, it's, it's hard, but when you have a business, you can have business credit too. So I'll put that, that's on your DUNS report. Um, it's a whole nother credit report. It's that EIN number, the social security number for your business actually works. Like there's a separate number, um, DUNS and Bradstreet. It's a separate credit reporting agency for your business. They don't even look at your personal. So your personal credit can be like a 555 go score. And you have this fantastic score with your business credit because you have 30, 30 day um, bills or th things that you pay on time. So a way to start building your business credit, once you get your EIN number and start going, go to places that have, um, like not U-Haul, what are those places called? Like places where you get office supplies, okay? Don't pay it right then there. Ask them if they'll bill you. If they bill you, they put you on a 30 day, um, a, Thank you. Cycle. And then, and then you can, once it goes in there, that reports to Dunn and Bradstreet. And then that starts building your, your FICO score for your business. And then you get business lending who preferably, they'll look at your personal credit, but they'll base it off your business. So it will never appear on your personal credit report. Okay. You want to start building your business credit as much as possible because later on, once your business hits a certain amount, you can only do everything by your business credit and never touch your personal credit. So everything can be separate. In the beginning though, you will have to use your personal credit. That's, that, that's just what, that, that's just part of business. I mean, no one's going to trust you unless you put in some skin in the game. Okay. So just like lending, you're not going to get a, a building and get it a hundred percent loan. Nobody's going to give the use to 
I mean, God bless them. They used to, but not anymore. They, they need you to put down 30%. Okay. So if you have a, a million dollar building, you need to print, come up with $300,000. So that, that's for that part. Um, business financial statements. Okay. So there's, there's a few parts of your financial statements, typically your profit and loss, your balance sheet, and then your cash flow analysis. And most of those can be done within in like a QuickBooks, whatever, whatever program you have, you click those buttons and it pulls them all up. You know what the business, the banks pay attention to? Not the profit and loss, not the balance sheet. Mind, mind you, that should it be at zero. You never want a plus or a minus in your balance sheet. You need a balance, okay? The, in the word, in the title, balance, be at zero. Uh, it's the cash flow. And that's new, new, relatively new, since 2008. Um, and that's because that's really taking a good look of what your, what your business actually does. So they take your inventory, that hits you as a negative. Like, if you have a bunch of you, like, oh, I just put $50,000 in inventory, and they're like, well, okay, you just cost yourself $50,000, so that's out of your cash. You no longer have that as cash until you sell it, but you haven't sold it, therefore, it's a liability, okay? So your assets are, are really shown in your cash flow analysis. I used to have, um, in, in lending, I had a guy who came up to me. This dude made like $5 million a year, which it was, it was good, but not that great. I'm still a small business in the, the eyes of the government. Um, and he's like, yeah, I make $5 million a year. I'm like, oh, great. And he's like, yeah, I bought this jet. I'm like, oh, great. And he had a helicopter and he had houses. He had like this 4,000 square foot, no, 4,000 acre property, like up north. I'm just like, dude, that's great. I thought the loan was a slam dunk. He needed like $2 million to purchase. This guy came back showing he made $29,000 a year. I'm like, what do you do with all your money? <laughs> and then you're like 585 goes square. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything for you. Your cash flow will tell on you. It will certainly tell on you. So you want to pay attention to where your money goes. And it, there's always a, re there's a thing called growing too fast. And there's a thing called having too much inventory. If you don't get through your, this is for product based, not service based. But if you don't get through your inventory within say 30 to 60 days, then you're doing it wrong. You can't have inventory sitting there for, for a year. It needs to be moving. It needs to be moving. So that is the, the business financial statements. Those are the three statements that, the, that any lender will ask you for. Profit and loss, balance, and cash flow analysis. Um, telling your story, that's kind of what I talked about in the beginning. Letting them know who you are, what you are, why you do it, the reason why you do it, and not just the basic, I make cookies. Like, okay, why do you make cookies? Like, they wanna know everything about it, okay? That's the about us in your website. All right, if we go to the next slide, please. Financial, okay, so the preparation. Financial statements, this is two to three years of business financial statements, also including your tax returns, okay? Two to three years tax returns. Again, as a bank, if you haven't been in business for at least three years, you typically will not get a loan, and that's okay. We re resource people out to community development financial institutions, which are also known as CDFIs, to uh, micro-lending, because we know you need access to capital. So that's where we send you to to get that lending started. And there's things called like express loans that you can do within like two days, 48 days, and they base it off of your bank deposits for 60 days. So it's really, really easy. That interest rate's gonna be higher, but again, kind of have to pay your dues to get to get into lending a little bit longer. But there's so many different places. I will give you a couple of them. Um, one is called Raza Development, also known as RDF. Another one is, which is a fantastic one, Marisol's Credit Union. They do lending a lot for small businesses. Um, you also have Chicanos por la Casa, and their part is Prestamos. And then you also have uh, Dreamspring that was previously known as Acción. 
Um, and then some of your chambers, your chambers will do micro loans. And these are typically like $1,000 or so, but just something for marketing or if you need to get started. Um, or some of them might even have grants still. So you have your, um, your Hispanic chamber, you have your Arizona chamber, you have your black chamber, um, you have an Asian chamber, Native American chamber. There's a bunch of chambers. So if you look up Arizona chambers and state of Arizona, you'll find them all. So yeah, you want to you get access to lending wherever you can. Um, and then what's that one say? Oh, year-to-date profit and loss, which we talked about, and then personal financial statements. So out of that top like four or five, and then all of a sudden you see personal financial, that they only want to see that to make sure you're not hiding anything. And then also to make sure you're paying yourself. Because if you're not paying yourself, then you're not doing business well. You need to pay yourself from the beginning. Like if you don't have a business and you start your business next week, pay yourself. Just pay yourself. Okay, let me go to the next one. Okay, company background. We'll go to the next one. Sorry, management. Oh, just hire people. Next one. 25,000. Oh, these are your loan. This is typically what banks look at to get loans. Um, $25,000 line of credit, which is typically the absolute lowest that a bank will go. Um, you need to be in business for two years. 625 goes score. They say that, but it, I haven't seen one approved. It's, you need to be at like 680 or above. Um, application. And then basically revenue generating business, okay, for, for, for a bank. Being, you can pass to the next one. I think the next one's 50000 or two fifty. I don't know. You go to the next slide. Oh, that's 100000 Okay, a few more things needed for $100,000. Same similar scenario. So if you look at it, the two years bank statements, two years history, tax returns, profit and loss statements, financials, credit score. It says 20 again, or it says 620. You're better try to get to a 700 FICO score. That's the, that's the main thing. If you can get to 700, you're okay. 740, much better. 780, you get whatever you want. So, and then the next slide, I think it's a million dollars, I think. If you go to the next slide. Yep, a million dollars. They need a lot more. I mean, if you're looking at a million dollars, hopefully you have a relationship with your banker and they can tell you what you need. Um, and then also you want to make sure that your business is generating at least $3 million to get a million dollars. So at least generating 300000 to get $100,000. So just kind of look at it like that for, for revenue. Um, and if you go to the next slide, and then who is your relationship manager? That's, again, business banking, knowing who you bank with, um, having a relationship with them. Go to the next slide. I think we're almost finished with this part. Oh, the, your company. This is kind of like your resource group, your services, knowledge, experience. You want to have someone in your back. So the top people that I say that every business needs to have after, I mean, the first year, it's kind of hard to get these people because you have to pay for them. But after that, you need to, number one, have a CPA. Okay, you need a bookkeeper. Sometimes CPAs do the bookkeeping for you. You also need an attorney because... You do. You, you just contracts, hiring, international, everything, like leases, everything. You want to have someone to send that over to just to take a look at, okay? Um, and then you also want to have your relationship with your banker. And those, if you have those four things set, you can pretty much do anything because you don't need to know everything about a business, but you need to have, you need to know where to get people to do these things for you, okay? Um, and if you go to the next slide, I think that's it. Let's see. Ah, access to capital. Okay. So those were the slides for Comerica Bank. And hopefully you guys learned something in regards to banking and understanding how to run a business and starting a business. I mean, it's, it's scary. It's exciting at the same time to start and run a business. Um, it's overwhelming. And it, it's just something that 
It's something that needs to happen, though, a lot more in, in our community. You know, as women, we can do anything. We are absolutely amazing. We can have babies, we can run the world, we can be CEOs of companies and not blink an eye, like not bat an eye whatsoever. And then we can look fabulous doing it. Like we don't look worn down doing it. But if we have a business, it's something that we can set up. Okay, so being, being a business, like my, my bank title, I can't pass that down to my kids. I can pass down knowledge, but I can't pass down a title to my kids if I work for someone else. If I run my own business, I can set it up to make sure my kids are taken care of and make sure that I have them running it. I, can, I make all the decisions for that business for generations to come to make sure that no one has to go through what I had to go through to get to where I'm at. Now, they'll have to go through something because you can't grow if you don't go through anything. But you have to go through something. And a lot of people come up and they ask me, like all the success that we've had recently, trust me, I was not successful five, six years ago, but, um, but God put me through ebbs and flow of success. So when I was younger, I made a lot of money. I thought being an adult was super easy until everything hit. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is what real life feels like. So, and that hit, and that was a long time. I'm like, Jesus, how long do I have to be in this season? I'm like, come on, God. I thought the season was like three months. He's like, no, you just wait, hang out, hang tight. I got you. But if I didn't go through what I went through, I certainly wouldn't be where I am today. And, and I'm going to take the Comerica hat off. We're going to put the pastor hat back on. Um, and when, when, when people ask me, and they ask our family, because our family, um, from where we came from, we're successful in our own right, right? So we're not like J.P. Morgan Chase success. Okay, that's completely different. But we're successful from the, the, from the pedigree that we came from and like the space that we, that we made. I mean, we, 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 we're doing well for ourselves, okay? And a lot of people ask, and our answer is always Jesus. Like, I didn't do this by myself. And, and God puts us into positions to make it look like, okay, there's absolutely no way you could have done this on your own. Like, absolutely not. And mind you, I have a really nice, fancy title. And I go around, I meet CEOs, I meet a lot of political figures. Like, I do a lot of things. I do not have a, a, a college degree. Absolutely no. And they keep saying, Summer, we're going to need you to get your papers, okay? We're not going to promote you until you get them. I'm like, okay. Next month, I get promoted. Next month, I get promoted. Summer, are you in college? Yes, I am. Okay, no problem. We'll promote you. But next time, we're going to need you to get your document. I'm like, no problem. Promoted. I've gotten promoted the fastest out of anybody in my company, and there's 9,000 people here. Again, it's God. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to brag on anything else, but I don't have my college. I'm in college, and I'm just telling my kids, I'm like, oh, my gosh, you need to do this before you get a real life. Like, this is... This is annoying. Like, online college is not fun. <laughs> I'm at there 10 o'clock at night. They're like, Mommy, what are you doing? Like, I'm doing homework. I'm trying to do this group project with a bunch of people who are 20. <laughs> I'm 40 years old. This is not fun. <laughs> and I'm doing it like at basketball games and the, while they're, in, they're running back and forth. I'm like, oh, you don't enjoy life as much. But I'm doing it because company's paying for it and they keep asking me to do it. So I was like, okay, I'll get it done. So God, God appointed. God doesn't care where you came from. He uses many people who, who have to rise up because they have to say, you know what? You didn't do that on your own. There's no way that you did this. Like, I remember you when you were this big. And I'm just like, yeah, we did it. 
Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's God. But no, it can be gone just like that because just as fast as God gave it to me, he can take it away. So I have to, I have to give everything to him. And one of my favorite chapters or, or books is, is Matthew 6, 33. And it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And that was the main thing. It's like, seek me first. And when you wake up in the morning, you pray. You say, thank you, Lord. You know, when you, when, you, when you go to bed, of course you say thank you. But I, I, I took a little bit further, and our family did too, of putting everything first. Putting God first before you put yourself first. Put God first before you put your family. Because God's like, I want the first 10%. I want the first. And I, ha- I had this explained to me one time. <laughs> They're just like, well, you give God the first 10% because I, I tithe. And I'm like, yeah, I give it to him, and I give it to him immediately. Before I touch that money that goes into my bank account, I take it out, whether it's written checks so I know it's there, or I take the cash out. I do it immediately. And it's just like, God said, I want the first 10%. I don't want the last 10%. I want the first 10%. If you had a meal with somebody, and they had that steak, and you had lobster, you're like, oh, that looks good. And they're just like, yeah, let me just eat all of it, and I'll give you the last 10%. That's nasty. I don't want that. I want, the, I want a bite first before you touch it, Okay. That's what God says. I want that bite first before you, don't you touch my food. Don't you touch what God gave you. Don't nobody want no half-eaten steak. Like, ew. <laughs> like, I don't want you sucking on the bone and then you want a hand. No, no, thank you. You know, give it to me while it's hot. God wants it while it's hot before it touches your hands. Take it out of your account. Give it to God. And God's like, I'm the best investment you'll ever have. I'm the best investment. I love different types of giving. Giving, tithe, it's just obedience, right? We do that because we have to. We do that to keep the roof over our head, the lights on. We do that to keep the Satan out. We do that to not, you know, to make sure our business keeps running. Because if you start doing everything and making all kinds of money and you ask God, why isn't this working, Jesus? Why is everything going wrong? He said, you didn't protect yourself. It's your insurance. You use tithe as your insurance. You give that. And it's okay. And if you're not doing it, try it. See what happens. Things get a little bit easier when you start giving back. God's like, I gave that to you. I'll take it away just as fast. Give me what's mine. God don't need your money. God, God's not shopping. He wants to make sure that he can trust you with the money that he gives you. Because if he can trust you with $100,000 a year, then he can trust you with a $1 million a year. And then he can trust you with $10 million and then $100 million. He's not going to give somebody who can barely handle $10,000 in the bank account $100 million. The other part of giving... I think I said this last time, I give offering. So the 10% tithe, 10% offering. People's like, oh my gosh, that's 20% and I give it off a gross. Yeah, it's rough, but it ain't that hard once you get used to it because I can live off of 80% of my income. I'd rather live off of 80% of what God gives me than 100% of what I get myself. I'm probably working at Dairy Queen. Like, there's a difference. There's a difference. There's an absolute difference. And I'll give you an example of what God's done for us. So our business has been in business for about, well, 13 months, okay? This one business that we have, 13 months. We started off, again, I told you that, $3,000. That's what started it. And I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, I don't know. If, you know, black people don't do pet food, so I don't know what you want me to do. Because we don't, we're just like, black people, okay, so we have pets, but we don't do as much as white people do with their pets. I'm just going to be honest with that, okay? I was raised with cats that were in and out of the house, or dogs we had, we loved, but we certainly didn't go them, take them to like a, a dog daycare, they have those. I'm just like, 
What? Like people spend so much money on their pets. So much. I love it though. I mean, they're they're paying my mortgage. I thank the Lord for all those people who love their dogs because that does so much for my bottom line. Okay, but it's something new to me. My husband had to teach me on this. I was like, okay. And so we do it. And this business, it went from our first month, we're super excited. We made $2,500 that month. I was like, raise the roof, hey. And then, and then it went up, and then it went up. So right now we're making about $40,000 a month. And then next month, I think we're estimated, again, projections, $150,000 a month. Okay? Praise the Lord, because I'm still working and doing that. And so people are like, well, we're going to quit. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I can give the, the bank's tithe and offering to the community all day long. I was like, I can do that with my, with my eyes closed. I said, God's promoting this business because we certainly couldn't have done it without him. Not whatsoever. And a little bit of history on my husband. He was raised with his parents and then, not his parents, his mom. My parents ended up adopting him later on. Again, it was a, it's a weird situation, but um, he went to college with my brothers, okay? And I hated him then, despised him for several years. I went to his first wedding. He went to mine because he was forced. Um, his mom passed away, and, my, and his mom asked my parents to take care of him before she passed away. And my dad's like, okay, cool, we'll take care of him. He moved in with my parents, did all that. I was already out. I had kids at that time, so I was out. And he, he went away. He, he came into the family, took our last name, because he, did, he didn't want to keep his last name anymore. That it was one of those situations. His dad was in prison. He wanted nothing to do with his father. So he's like, I'm going to take my mom's last name. His mom is Latina. She, they said no. His family said say no. He's like, I need somebody else's last name then, because I don't want my dad's last name anymore. So my dad's like, you can have ours. <laughs> so, he has, so he has our last name. So I didn't have to change mine when we got married. Um, but he, he went, and he was just like, he grew up, but he grew up too fast. So he got into drugs, he got into, you know, violence and all that. Other. He went to Mexico and lived there for three years. And Mazatlan, if anybody's been there in the non-nice neighborhood, you know what I mean. Um, and so that's where he stayed. That's right. And so he learned a lot of growing up skills in, in Mexico, whereas that's not the best place to learn all your, you know, 20-year-old skills. And so he brought that back here. I'm just like, bruh, this isn't going to work. You can't come to this house and do all that stuff. So he ended up being a bum on the streets. My parents were like, get out. You're not going to bring that stuff in this house. Hard love, trust me. Um, but it worked. So he was a bum for six months. Like, a real, like, he showed me where he lived. It was behind a Walgreens. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> and my kids still can't. They're like, because they called him Uncle Eloy before, but now he's dad. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, you really lived on the street? He's like, yeah, I have all these great ideas. So I was like, Lord, this, Jesus? <laughs> but this, he, was, he was genius. And this was what God brought me. Okay? Jesus brought me someone who lived on the streets. And I'm... I didn't know that. Well, I did at the time. I was like, Lord, Jesus, help me. But then he moved this, this beautiful relationship into something else. And he gave him, he dropped in nuggets. He gave him ideas. He said, do this, do this, do this. And he kept giving, and he kept giving himself, you know, to God. Because he could have died at any given time. And he, I mean, he could have. And... He said, my, my path is for God. And God's like, all I need is you to link up with him. And then I'll take care of you. I know what you want. It's not what you're going to get. You're going to get someone who, who loves me. You're going to get someone who, who knows that they could have died without me. And then you can do great things with that. So that is, a, and this wasn't, we've been married for nine, going on nine years. This was literally six months before we got married. Okay. So it, it hasn't been that long. 
It hasn't been that long, but God has moved mountains for this man to get him to the point where he's at. And he has nobody else to thank besides Jesus Christ that got him where he's at. He never thought that he could make $100,000 a month on a thought and a love for animals. Never. Never. And my parents still call him son. <laughs> we live next door to my parents, by the way. And <laughs> we, do. we do. We do. It's so funny. I live next door to my parents. And then my brother and his wife live next door to them. And my other brother lives eight doors down. So we're very close. We're like, family. We're like, you're going to love us no matter what. And uh, so that's where God brought us. We were not expecting. He was, we were together when I was getting plasma donated. We were not expecting to be at this point. All we knew was to trust God and obey. So obedience was tithe, and then we gave offering, which is the seed offering, which is a big difference than tithe, right? We know about seed offering. We know what that does. That's your 30, 60, 90. That's your, oh my Lord, this is all God type of thing. You can't, get, you can't outgive God. And that's what God taught us. Because um, I was always, okay, so I was stressing. I'm not, I, was, I was a good giver, but I wasn't the best giver. Okay, so I'll give my tithe. I would. I give my tithe. I'm like, I'm giving on my, on my net. <laughs> my dad had to correct me. And my dad's a pastor. He's like, if the government, if you're going to give the government a portion of your money, if the government's going to touch it, you give it before the government touches it. I'm like, oh, oh, the government takes like 30% of my income. He's like, God will take care of you. I said, okay, I'll give it off the gross. We give it off the gross. We give 10% off the gross, 10% off the, for a tithe, and 10% for offering. We can't keep out giving God. Not at all. Our money keeps replenishing, like, for absolutely no reason. No reason whatsoever. My husband just finished graduating college when he quit USAA. Like, he, they paid for it, and he quit. There's no reason for him to go to college, but he did it because they, they asked him to. He didn't think he'd get promoted. Um, but yeah, the, 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 for the two of us, if you look at our background, kind of, like, what, what did you guys do that's different than anybody else? Nothing other than loving God and loving Jesus and doing exactly what he tells us to do. So the giving that we give, oh, I don't give to poor. I, I don't give my offering to, to the poor, okay? I give to the poor, give to needy. Everybody needs to give. That's, that's a separate set of offering. I do not, I was like, 